0: Welcome to this month's edition of Pulp Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. I'm Greg Johnson with Susanna Fiber. And as always, I'm happy to be joined by my co host, Dr. Marta Pazos. Hi, Greg. So, Marta, being an avid runner, I know you can appreciate the role that athletics plays not only in our fitness levels, but also in the role that sports plays in the environment. That's why we couldn't be more excited to have Kristen Fulmer, a sustainability expert and the newly named Senior Director of Sustainability at the Oakview Group or OVG in Los Angeles. Here is our guest today. Kristen will help us better understand how sustainability plays out in the sports, live entertainment and hospitality worlds. Kristen, it's great to see you again and thank you for visiting with us today. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about the conversation.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So it's fall. Football is kicked off. Playoff baseball's on deck. And beginning next month in October, both basketball and hockey season begin. And speaking of hockey, Seattle's Climate Pledge Arena, is where the Seattle Kraken play, have a really cool thing. It's called Green Ice. Can you tell us about that? Uh,
1: Super excited for all the seasons to kick off. It's a really exciting time of year. Also busy for our industry, but really looking forward to it. Uh, So at Climate Pledge Arena, uh, the arena is really built, and even within the name, uh, with a whole bunch of different sustainability strategies in mind, uh, including the greenest ice in the NHL. Uh, So this ice is made from uh, water that's collected from Seattle's plentiful rainfall. Uh, It collects in a 15,000 gallon cistern under the plaza uh, next to Climate Pledge Arena, and then is used uh, to be frozen on the ice, um, as the ice, I should say. And in addition to that, uh, they use a Zamboni that's uh, fully electric and actually all of the vehicles and uses Of the facility are fully electric. There's no natural gas or other fuels used in the facility. Uh, And they also have a lot of other water uh, reduction commitments and installations in place, including waterless urinals, um, really efficient kind of showers and, and fixtures throughout the facility. And they also have on site retention tanks for, again, to collect all of the rainwater, make sure that there's not a huge amount of runoff from the the plaza, or kind of the outside landscape of the arena, and they also have um, water bottle, basically dispensers throughout the stadium where people can bring in their own water bottles and get uh, free water while they're while they're visiting, which is a unique feature of many arenas. It is really
2: exciting to hear that there there are some uh, venues right that are trying to mitigate the their. Um, contribution to climate change if you want, right? Do you have an idea of how many others who are you planning to to roll these
1: out to other stadiums? At Oakview Group, uh, we own and operate uh, several facilities across the U.S. in different markets, some of which might not have as clean of a grid as Seattle does in Climate Pledge Arena. Um, But most of our venues have some sustainability commitments who are working on their sustainability journey. Uh, Climate Pledge Arena is a renovated stadium, so the embodied carbon emissions reduced in that building construction is substantial. Uh, We're also doing another renovation in Baltimore that uh, is, you know, a renovation project, so hugely reduces that embodied carbon emissions from the beginning. Uh, We have carbon neutral and zero waste commitments at both UBS Arena in New York, and Acrosure Arena in Palm Desert. And we're working on a lot of other sustainability commitments in our facility in Austin, Texas called Moody Center. And um, we also manage uh, as a third party uh, many other venues across the US uh, that we don't necessarily own, but we operate. And so integrating sustainability into all of those almost 400 venues is, is really critical to us. And um, because of our experience in sustainability, venues come to us and ask us how to help them either begin their journey or continue to have impact. Um, And we're actually soon rolling out a program to help them do just that almost as a a service uh, to help any venue uh, integrate sustainability, understand their footprint, and also create uh, the right decisions to have an impact over time so that they aren't making Decisions like electrifying their building without having an understanding of where that electricity is coming from
0: this October here in Chicago. The who will be in concert Um, and Once the band is finished they've done their encore and fans are streaming out of the UC um, People probably won't be thinking fans won't be really being aware of where's the best place to recycle my paper cup in instances like this, um, not only at the end of an event, whether it's a concert or a ball game, but during the whole length of the fan experience, um, how do you at OVG try to impact fans' behavior in terms of enforcing or I should say maybe trying to improve um Recycling efforts and and other fan behavior like that.
1: Yeah, I think there's probably many solutions to impacting fan behavior, and it it starts um, really from before fans even get to the venue. Um, So venues can think about uh, what they include in like the you know they call it the know before you go emails, basically the information ahead of time that they're receiving. If they emphasize a commitment to zero waste or uh, you know language related to recycling. It will reach at least some fans who are reading that um, or even kind of passively see, uh, you know, icons or small things just to get them thinking about sustainability and recognizing that this venue might prioritize that. Um, So there's that level of commitment and engagement. Uh, with fans even before. And that's, again, just an operations decision that doesn't even cost anything to to include, just type out the language. Um, Another element might be related to the artists themselves. So uh, many bands and uh, entertainment just in general are starting to partner with environmental organizations that can help them talk about the importance of their commitments to environmental issues, whether that's recycling, zero waste, or something related to energy or something related to protecting the oceans, whatever that might be. Um, And so I think that's a really effective way to reach fans because they're not there to see the building. Usually they're there to see the entertainment. And so coming from the entertainment themselves is really helpful. Um, But I think operationally buildings can set themselves up to make it really easy for fans. And I think that's the important part is the ease and sometimes making it fun too. Uh, So You know, we see different events um, worked at like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game or the Super Bowl, you know, the events related to the Super Bowl, engaging fans outside. These are times where you can actually make sustainability fun, uh, make recycling fun. I think uh, the Waste Management Open uh, does that really well and just engages people and makes sustainability kind of part of the experience. Um, So that's the ideal, but at the very least making it easy. uh, So having, you know, very clear signs, very accessible bins, disposal points. um, And so making it so that there's really not a question that someone doesn't have to stand at a bin and think for more than a millisecond of where their cup should actually go. Um, And then the other point is, you know, in addition to setting up the spaces properly, the venues procuring that those materials is really important. So, if we want to incentivize people to recycle, we probably need to make sure we have recyclable products in our facilities. Uh, so, um, making connecting those two dots and then making sure they coordinate with each other on procurement as well as uh, disposal is is really important.
0: Kristen, those are all great points. What would be an example of a fun? type of, uh, an experience that you could, um, use at an arena to induce fans to recycle more?
1: Well, one people love free stuff. So if you can incentivize them playing some kind of game, recycling identification game, even exactly, even like on the Jumbotron or just on, um, you know, outside on the Plaza or, um, somewhere throughout the concourse and they can win something free with it they'll, you know, kind of passively learn something potentially as well. Uh, So I think those are all fun things. I've seen, you know, a basketball shoot the plastic bottle into the goal type of um, type of game. And I was actually just recently at Coors Field in uh, Denver for the, the Colorado Rockies, and they did some really interesting, it was not related to recycling, it was more related to energy reduction, but they did on the Jumbotron, had a player talk about named as many different energy efficiency solutions as he could think of on the Jumbotron. And then they had a fan try to beat the number that he had listed. And that was sponsored by, I believe, the local utility company. And so that's a great way to uh, get people engaged and probably passively learning something. Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting um, to hear all that. And
2: also, I have to say that I find it a little sad that we have to go to, the, to those lengths of making it so easy, you know, for people like... We we have to be treated like kids, that unless you make it easy for us, we will not go to an extent to do something that it should be right for the planet. Because right now, the, yeah, there is still that difference, that huge difference between what gets collected and what actually gets processed. If I don't believe that that's going to get processed
1: chances are that a lot of people won't either. It's a difficult challenge. And you know I hear those types of comments, not just necessarily from fans, but even from operators of our buildings. I would guess that part of their answer uh, is one related to making that investment as a venue to have staffing in place to help sort it in the back of house, um, to engage fans in the front of house to make sure that it happens and reassure them of that, but also then have the accountability to know what is happening to that waste and to make changes uh, when when you don't think something is right or you don't believe it's going to that right the right point. So having a point person in the venue to reassure the programs in the front of house that, yes, please continue to do this while also making sure that what they're telling them is happening to it is correct, I think is important, and then being transparent about that
0: process. There was a recent Wall Street Journal article, Kristen, that mentioned all the innovative things you're doing to minimize uh, sound distraction and improve the acoustics. They mentioned a Billie Eilish concert this past February that had some rave reviews regarding the sound um, at the UBS arena in the New York City area, an arena that you work closely with. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, on the whole uh, as, you know, science and technology basically get better in these these topics of, Sound quality and even just understanding and measuring sound, we can just do better over time. Um, and you know, so many arenas in the market. Uh, you know, kind of get by and continue to book shows and continue to bring people in just based on their location or based on their reputation. Uh, but, I, you know, we within OVG really want to focus on that experience, enhancing that experience and really making it so that it's not just, oh, my favorite artist is performing. I guess I'll go to this arena, but I want to go to this arena uh, and I'm excited to go to this space. Um, to enjoy it from a variety of different angles, almost, you know, depending on whoever that artist is, maybe it's your favorite and maybe it's not, but hopefully you have a good experience either way. And so, so much of that facility is just about the experience overall and integrating technology in all sorts of new and interesting ways, both in, you know, how you, uh, how quickly you can get through line to get concessions, maybe there isn't a line, Uh, how, you know, even seamlessly you can park, what your experiences are, the food and drinks related to, uh, your local market? Does it feel personable? Could some of the
2: materials that you are collecting, the, the, the waste that is being collected from
1: that same arena, to be repurposed into that venue? Venues are definitely starting to think about this a little bit more strategically now. Um, I think it's, it's more apparent when you think about you know, you've just hosted an event, maybe it's an all-star game. Uh, and you have all of the extra banners and signs that have been hung throughout it instead of landfilling those because maybe they're recyclable, maybe they're not. Maybe we don't really know what they are. How can we reuse them either into merchandise that fans are interested in either buying or being gifted, uh, or, like you said, used in the facility directly as, as building material. Um, definitely thinking about interesting ways to do that. I mean, kind of back to my construction roots, there's all sorts of initiatives going into place about how to, you know, put uh, broken glass into concrete as additional uh, basically filler, Uh, to replace sand. Um, So there's all sorts of interesting solutions that are out there that people are working on making sure are up to code and able to use um, for actual building material. But um, yeah, when I read the the Wall Street Journal article thinking about fiberglass, my first questions, of course, were about what that material really is, where we're getting it from, uh, and what the kind of background from a sustainability side is and will be. And so I think, you know, as we move forward and thinking about all of the new innovative solutions that are out there. Also finding that balance between the most sustainable material is, is going to be an important quality.
0: So one of the the qualities, Kristen, that a lot of fans of course, enjoy is food. And uh, like a lot of people, I love peanuts and Cracker Jack, but obviously there's a trend towards more healthier food options um, here in the Midwest, the Kansas city chiefs, for example, serve shawarma and uh, falafel wraps. And we all know about all the West Coast stadiums and arenas. Uh, they all seem like whole foods. Do we see, or do, I should say, do you see at OVG this trend continuing where there will be better for you food options? And, and do you see fans kind of embracing um, those healthier choices?
1: want to focus on providing high quality food. Uh, and a lot of different options of food um, and allowing fans to make that own their own decision. And then, of course, on the back end, we can capture that data, analyze it, and understand what trends exist based on the artist that's playing or based on the sporting event that it is and, and start to understand what types of different fans or visitors like different types of food so that we can provide that um, option instead. I think, you know, on the whole if we just don't think about the health component for a second and just think about the reduction in waste that's such a huge opportunity for us to have a environmental impact and so no matter what type of food it is we need to make sure that we are creating or you know making enough of the right times of t- types of food and less of the type of food that won't get purchased in the rise of covid
2: despite of i don't think that there is any confirmation that a case has been um that a person has been infected because of touching a surface but that has created a lot more waste in in general right because we need more wrappers we need more we need more defenses right against potential infection potential contraction of the virus and 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 yeah a lot more things have gone to more disposable more wrappers so can you have you noticed anything of like that? And do you see
1: it already going down? Can you tell us more about that? To answer your question, I think s- some of those things were, were tried initially, I would say most of it has been scaled back fairly quickly. Um, but that also means, you know, that most venues were still using ketchup packets before the pandemic, or a lot of them. Uh, and so, you know, there was no, you know, now we're, quote, back, and we're still at ketchup packets or something that's still wasteful. And so uh, out of the pandemic came a lot of, you know, touchless condiment dispensers, and a lot of interesting features that uh, we didn't even have before. And so I think that response has been really interesting. But I think people are quickly realizing that the waste challenge is a longer term problem than the response to COVID because we saw how quickly people did come back to venues once we opened them up um, on the whole. And so uh, I think those responses are going to be what's, what's top of mind for us in the future.
0: Well, those are all good points. And um, Marta, thanks for bringing up waste. I know um, Kristen, you're, you're pretty familiar with what we do at Sustaina Fiber and our, Recycled products are added to all kinds of sustainable food and beverage packaging from paper cups and carry out containers to sandwich wraps and even microwavable sleeves. What are your thoughts, if you could share them with us, on a lot of the venues now taking a look at replacing their plastic packaging with paper packaging?
1: I think, you know, we have to think about all efforts in sustainability as a journey and just, you know, moving from the bare minimum to some level of action and setting some future commitments. We're seeing, uh, you know, national, federal commitments around banning single-use plastic. Uh, We're seeing cities and local governments do it. And, you know, we're starting to see our venues do that as well. Climate Pledge Arena, as an example, has a single-use plastic ban by next year. And so... These are all elements in place that we need all of the solutions to exist, like recycled paper, uh, potentially, you know, recyclable and recycled uh, metal aluminum options, as well as reusable options uh, and biodegradable options as substitutes for uh, at least getting away from landfilling items. The word biodegradable when used
2: in plastics is that it has become what I consider a Danger, right? Because people see biodegradable and they are like, "Oh, banana peel," which you know it would actually go against everything that we need to do for packaging, which is it can it has to maintain its integrity to protect the product, right? Therefore, it can't be biodegradable like a banana peel. So, how are you dealing with uh, these new, you know, compostable biodegradable when it comes up to collection
1: of waste in such big venues? The short answer is that it's really, really hard. Uh, and all of our venues uh, not only have, you know, are at the mercy of different municipal uh, municipalities and infrastructure, um, but they're also being approached by all sorts of vendors uh, that have, you know, different qualities or claim different qualities related to sustainability. And so navigating that is is a really big challenge that, you um, you know, sometimes we all necessarily don't know the right answer, um, but have to make either the most informed decisions or ask the most informed questions about getting to that right outcome. Um, But I also think in this a little bit Kind of confusing market on this topic, it's important for us to try different options and understand what actually works and what makes sense. We have to kind of, I think, be open to all of these different products and at least understand where they're coming from and what their environmental impacts are um, and continue to be open to new ones. And so I think that's the challenge in our industry is you know, securing a long-term partnership or um, some of these uh, just agreements with using certain products over another without kind of fully understanding the the full picture. So I think it's important for us to try different things out.
0: Sure. Well, that's well said, Kristen. Um, On another topic, um, there are a lot of older arenas, concert halls, and convention centers that use vast amounts of energy. Um, What are some things that OVG does to help not only these older venues, um, older generation facilities, but also uh, the newer venues in terms of minimizing energy usage.
1: At OVG, well, we talked about Climate Pledge Arena, which is in a renovated stadium. It's the old key arena. They kept a lot of the building structure, uh, really impressively so, actually. Uh, And so a lot of the steel and concrete that held the embodied carbon, which is, of course, a huge component of a building's footprint from the beginning, was was maintained. So we reduced that off the bat. Since they have hockey in there, that requires a decent amount of refrigerant to keep that ice cold. And so that does include and take up a lot more energy consumption than in other buildings. So I think we just need to spend a lot more time thinking about where that energy is coming from and using a lot of our resources to drive clean energy. Solutions.
2: Which ones are the most difficult to reduce?
1: You you can reduce scope one and two just by better procurement decisions. Right. And then, um, so if you're procuring renewable energy, that that helps a lot. The bulk of the carbon emissions is in scope three. Uh, So fan travel is hugely significant. So if you count that within your footprint, um, people traveling to and from the venue, that's, of course, a huge component. Um, If you also quantify, uh, team tr- and artist travel uh, there and back also very significant those that's a lot of gray area there of defining kind of where that footprint begins and ends.
0: It seems today for a number of reasons, including economic, we're seeing sort of a back to the future sort of a shift back to multi-purpose arenas. Um, from a sustainability perspective, are are there reasons for that, uh, especially with some of these reta- retractable roofed, or dome stadiums?
1: Overall, venues are a resource to their communities. And so if they are centrally located, easily accessible, and everybody knows where they are, their use should be maximized. Um, it's it's kind of silly to have venues that sit uh, open or unused for uh, most of the year. And so finding efficient solutions um, or efficiencies to those schedules of operation makes sense from a staffing perspective, from an energy consumption perspective, and just like the efficiencies of how that building operates. Um, and I think that that's important, uh, but it's also really difficult. So, you know, many arenas that, you know, we either manage or work with have multi tenants, both, you know, one or two different t- sports teams, as well as concerts in between that. And even the facilities that just host uh, concerts and other events. Uh, have a huge amount of transition that happens between those event- events. And so um, I guess on one hand, you have a facility that's designed specifically for one use, and it's only used for that one use. You're not going to have a lot of transitionary time in between, which probably causes waste and additional energy consumption and transportation. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you, you know if you have kind of a multi-use uh, facility and lots of events happening, maybe multiple events happening per day, There's a huge amount of activity there, um, and it all happens in one space. You can use the same staff. You can use the same vendors. Um, So I think there's pros and cons
0: to both. Kristen, what would you say is the number one sustainability concern of OVG's clients, and, and what are you doing to address that concern?
1: There's a lot of concerns um, about sustainability, especially based on where you are. So, you know, if you're in a desert location, chances are you're thinking much more about water conservation than when you're in, I don't know, Florida and you're thinking more about ocean plastic. Um, so, I think that the concerns do kind of differ uh, depending on where you are. Um, I think the overall concern is that they know they need to be doing something and don't know where to start. Um, so, I think that's the number one concern is not knowing necessarily where to start or where to take action first. But, I think what's top of mind for most people, and it's, you know, been a huge component of this conversation and rightly so is waste. So waste is very visible. People see it, people know that it's bad. And it's been part of the conversation for decades, um, where carbon emissions, you can't see, you can't feel, you don't really have a good understanding of the quantity and, um, you don't necessarily know how to help reduce it.
2: I agree with you. I, I feel that sometimes we put way too much emphasis to waste and don't look at the big picture. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that the waste is is definitely a, a an issue that we need to deal with. But one thing that I really liked to hear is that people come humbly saying we don't know where to start, and that I believe that that is a great thing, honestly, because people
0: are realizing we need to do something.
2: We're here to learn what. Absolutely.
0: Good point, Marta. And speaking of points, I was wondering, Kristen, do you have any pointers for any professionals and as well as students who are maybe, you know, they've thought of sustainability, especially in the sports or entertainment world, but really don't know where to start? Any guidance you might be able to offer them?
1: Just getting involved, I think, is is the biggest thing. And also um, just putting yourself out there and networking. Um, I know that everybody says that, but I think it's really important. And I would just say, um, just one small point is that I've every, I think every job I've ever gotten out of grad school has been through LinkedIn connections, uh, sending messages back and forth on LinkedIn, having conversations with people. So highly recommend, uh, doing the kind of cold messaging when you find people that you're interested in talking to.
0: That's a great point. Wouldn't yeah. you agree, Marta?
1: Oh, I've, Yeah, I've done uh, reaching out
2: to a lot of people,
0: and it works. Kristen, as we wrap up our conversation with you, it's, it's been a real pleasure. I just have one more question, and we'll let you go. And this question is basically this. Um, what are some things you do in uh, both personally and professionally to help the environment?
1: Professionally, I think we just spent a while talking through it, uh, but (laughs) professionally, I would say uh, I spend a lot of time just trying to mainstream sustainability, make it um, interesting and appealing for everyone, both, you know, venue operators, the fans and visitors, the athletes. Um, So professionally, really just thinking about that almost all the time um, and how to. Make that uh, at, make as much business sense as possible. Personally, um, well, one just enjoy spending time outdoors and appreciating uh, nature and the experience of of being outside, which I think is important for mental health as well as uh, reminding me of why I do the work that I do. I'm sure you guys feel similarly to that. Uh, and one small thing that I've done now for. guess since the pandemic is I haven't bought any brand new clothes. I've only bought secondhand or, um, you know, basically like I would actually say almost entirely secondhand, if not just haven't bought any new clothes in general. So, uh, it's, it's like one small commitment that I've kind of made as a promise to myself. I really try to stick to it. I think making something small that you can do every day is, is a good one.
0: Kristen, it's been a delight um, to chat with you today. The the intersection of sports and sustainability entertainment has always fascinated me and um, we're grateful for your time today and uh, good luck to you in your new role at uh, the Oakview Group.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's a good conversation.
0: Join us next month for a new episode of Pope Nonfiction, the paper and packaging podcast. And be sure to check out sustanafiber.com for previous podcasts, as well as for more information on our recycled fiber products for your sustainable packaging needs. Thanks again, remember to recycle, and we'll see you again soon.